Hi there, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. graduate student, I'm a future registered dietitian, I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. Here on Feed That Nation, I talk all about issues related to college life, college health, and college wellness with the goal of helping you, my fellow college students, to be more successful, more confident, and more healthy in your student journeys. Don't forget to go follow me on Instagram. I am at Feed That Nation, and go check out my blog, feedthatnation.com, for more awesome college life, health, and wellness content. If you're listening to me on a podcast platform, go ahead and subscribe to me over there and leave me a five-star review and a rating. It would mean the world to me. It really helps me out so much with the algorithm and all of that. And of course, if you're watching me on YouTube, go ahead and throw this video a thumbs up. Throw me a comment down below letting me know your favorite part of the episode or that you like my sweater or that you like my mountain background or whatever you want to tell me about. And definitely go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. I upload podcast episodes every Wednesday, and I upload vlogs every Saturday. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about a topic that I feel like I have a lot of conversations about in real life, but it's been a while since I've actually talked about this on the podcast. And this topic is related to how can college students feed themselves with limited time and very limited money and limited resources. And you guys know that I did a ton of work in undergrad related to food insecurity in college students and on college campuses. I am incredibly passionate about that work. I am, it literally lights a fire under me anytime I get to talk about it. And I'm very excited to do this episode because I wanted to talk about not necessarily students experiencing food insecurity, but students who under normal circumstances would be able to feed themselves, but due to a lack of time, a lack of money, a lack of cooking equipment or space or something are really struggling to feed themselves. And I've actually had a couple of examples in real life, you know, where friends have reached out to me with these kind of questions in college. I had a friend a couple of years ago who reached out to me because due to a bureaucratic mistake, a stupid mistake that his residence life office had made his food plan, his meal plan had been canceled and he was living in a dorm without a kitchen and he contacted me just to ask if he could borrow a pot and a pan. And, you know, we talked about the issue and he, under normal circumstances, he would have been totally fine and not had an issue with it. But because this mistake happened, he all of a sudden found himself having to buy groceries that he wasn't expecting to have to pay for and not having the equipment to cook anything or really the space to cook anything. And that was a really challenging you know, situation, and I was happy to loan him the pot and the pan. I think he might actually still have them. NBD, if you're listening, keep them. It's fine. Another friend very recently reached out because of COVID, his campus dining hall has really limited hours, and they don't open on the weekends anymore, and he was asking me about you know, how do I feed myself in my dorm room? I don't have a fridge. I just have a microwave. And so that was a really tough situation for us to kind of walk through, you know, what kind of foods can you buy? What can you eat? What can you make when you don't have cold storage to cook, to keep things cold in? And I really wanted to break down some really common issues that college students face in this area and give you guys my thoughts, give you guys my best tips and my best advice, because this issue is a lot more common than you might think. 
And there is nothing to be ashamed of if you're struggling to feed yourself right now, in the past, if you find yourself struggling in the future. No shame in that whatsoever, I promise you. The definition of food insecurity that I really like to work with is sort of borrowed from the FAO, and that is food insecurity being defined as a lack of reliable access to culturally relevant, nutritious food in adequate amounts. And obviously there's a lot in that definition, and I wanted to talk about how, you know, you might be able to have the money to buy food, but if you don't have reliable access to a grocery store, if you don't have safe access to a grocery store, you might still be experiencing some food insecurity. And that's okay, and that's totally okay, because knowing that these issues exist, knowing that it's okay to say, hey, I'm struggling, that makes it so much easier to reach out and ask for help and access resources that can help you. And a lot of college students face this particular issue. A lot of college campuses are actually more or less food deserts, meaning there aren't really a whole bunch of grocery stores around. I mean, even speaking to the college experience here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, most of the college campuses I know of are not really all that close to an affordable grocery store. And when I say affordable grocery store, that's the other thing, is that your college campus could be across the street from a Whole Foods, but if you can't afford to shop at Whole Foods, it might as well be like you don't live near a grocery store at all. I think also the two examples I gave towards the beginning, talking about both of these students that I am friends with and I helped kind of walk them through some ideas to navigate their situations, both of those issues stemmed from their dining halls. You know, in one example, my friend, his meal plan was canceled accidentally. I think he was later able to get a refund or get it to be reactivated. And my other friend, you know, his dining hall isn't open the same hours anymore, not open on the weekends. And that's really a detriment to students who are living in spaces where they don't have kitchens like he was. And I think that's sort of the big area that I want to start in is how do you feed yourself when you don't have a kitchen? Because a lot of dorms, they have like maybe a community microwave or you might have your own microwave. They might have a community fridge on the floor or you might have your own mini fridge in the room. You might have a hot water kettle. You might have another small piece of cooking equipment, maybe a Keurig, maybe a waffle iron or something like that. Obviously, different dorms have different rules in terms of what you are and are not allowed to have in your dorm room. I had a crock pot pretty much all through my undergrad experience, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't actually allowed to have it. Um, but a lot of college dorms will have rules about not having hot plates or not having equipment that has open coils. And all of that is for your safety because those things can start fires if they're not used properly and they're not stored properly. But it also presents a huge inconvenience for a lot of college students when you're not able to have something that you have access to that you can cook in. And so I wanted to say that all of this really starts with planning ahead and having a little bit of forethought. Most college students in most situations, I don't want to generalize every college student because especially in this time with COVID and the pandemic, and in normal college life in general, everything is constantly shifting. You might find yourself with having to make a brand new plan in the span of a couple of days, and that's okay too. But in general, most college students know ahead of time where they're going to be living and what access to equipment they're going to have. And that can help us to be really realistic about the type, types of plans that we can actually make. 
For example, if you know that you'll be moving into a building with dorms in which you have a community fridge on your floor, a microwave on your floor, but the kitchen in the building is on a different floor. Um, when I was a sophomore in college, I lived on the third floor and the community kitchen was in the basement of the building. And all of that kind of informed how often I would get to cook for myself and the types of things I would get to cook for myself. You know, if you'll be moving into a dorm with a roommate, make a plan ahead of time of who's going to bring the microwave. Do you need a microwave? Do you want a microwave? Who's going to rent or buy the mini fridge? Do you need a mini fridge? Do you want a mini fridge? You know, do you need or want a hot water kettle to make tea or to make instant noodles or instant rice? Do you need other kinds of cooking equipment in your dorm? And again, I'm not advising you to go against whatever your dorm policies are regarding these things, but it can be a good time to plan ahead. And this is also the time when I would highly recommend going to check out thrift stores because honestly, I got my baking sheet that I have had since my freshman year of college at a thrift store for $2. It was kind of stained. It's still stained. It was a little warped. It's still warped. It works great, and I have no plans of getting rid of it anytime soon. And I know a lot of college students who've gotten really great cooking equipment or utensils or anything else of that sort from thrift stores for really inexpensive. You can also reach out to older students to see if there are things that they might be getting rid of that they don't need anymore. Facebook Marketplace is a really great place to look for this kind of thing as well. And really, the whole idea of this is to plan ahead so that you can really think about how much cooking can I realistically do? And if I can't realistically do a lot of or any cooking, how can I plan around that so that I can still eat nutritious, tasty, satisfying food? Editing Natalie here for just a moment. In this next section, I say microwave multiple times when I clearly meant mini fridge, so sorry about that, but Yes, talking about this issue with my friend not having a mini fridge was very challenging. Honestly, the lack of a microwave um, in speaking to that experience that my friend had was a really tough one to kind of talk him through because when you don't have a microwave, you can't store food. You know, you can't have leftovers. It's really hard to have even things like milk because food safety time food cannot be out of cold storage for more than four hours before it has to be thrown away. And so you couldn't necessarily, you know, cook something for dinner and then save it until lunch the next day unless you have somewhere cold to put it. And that's really challenging. That is so challenging. And if you are in that situation, I really feel for you. And again, if this is something you can afford, I would highly recommend seeing if there is any way you can get access to a refrigerator but if that's not reasonable for you, that's okay too. Which is why I think my biggest first thing that I want to say for any college students who are experiencing any type of issues with feeding themselves due to time, resources, or money, it's okay to eat convenience foods. It's okay to eat foods that social media and diet culture and all of that say are unhealthy and processed. I have a whole episode talking about processed foods from way back in the early days of putting Feed That Nation on YouTube. I will link it below. But really, it is okay if you are eating foods that are prepackaged, that are add hot water and stir and sit for one minute. Like, all of these foods are 
relatively inexpensive, easy to store, shelf stable. They last a really long time. A lot of, you know, the cup of noodles or instant couscous, for example, these things can be made in single portions, so you're not making more food than you can reasonably eat or store at one time. I also want to say that canned protein and dried grains and canned fruit and all of those things, canned veggies, these are your friends. These are good things. And again, society and diet culture and social media can sometimes demonize these foods because they're, again, quote, processed. But honestly, a can of green beans or corn or carrots is going to be pretty much exactly the same nutritional value as fresh corn or frozen corn or whatever it is. And in some cases, like tomatoes, canned tomatoes can actually have more nutritional value than fresh tomatoes because of the way that they are preserved. And these are all good things. These are great things. Not having a lot of equipment to cook with or space to store food also means you can get sort of creative with your, um, I guess, combinations of foods. One suggestion I would have would be, assuming that you have a fridge and you can make leftovers, you can make a super tasty meal for honestly not that much money. You get a packet of that Spanish rice, the red rice. You can get a can of beans. And you could, if you wanted to, also get a can of tomatoes or even just add some salsa. You can cook it up in the microwave, cook the rice per the microwave instructions with the beans and the salsa or the tomatoes in it. Make a super, super simple, super just fun kind of Spanish rice deal. You could eat it with some fresh fruit or some canned fruit like some pineapples. And that would be honestly a really good option or something very similar to it. The thing about convenience foods is often they are higher in carbohydrates and they're sometimes higher in protein, sometimes not, but they're usually pretty low in vegetables. So if you're looking to make more balanced meals, you can start with the carbohydrate. Let's say it's a cup of rice or maybe a pack of ramen, and then you can add in other nutritious things. You know, you could have maybe an egg with the ramen, a hard-boiled egg or a soft-boiled egg or a scrambled egg with the ramen, or you could add some vegetables like some carrots. Or you can even, you don't have to cook a meal, you could eat ramen and noodle, you could eat ramen noodles and on the side you could have carrots and celery sticks or on the side you could eat an apple or on the side you could have a protein bar. And I think that's another thing that a lot of college students struggle with is Sometimes you don't have enough ingredients to make a meal, or you don't have enough time to make a meal. You don't have enough time to make a recipe, but that doesn't mean you can't eat individual ingredients individually. You could have a piece of bread and some deli meat and some cheese, but you don't have to make a sandwich, for example. <laughs> I would say that's probably one of my bigger tips for just not having equipment is knowing that you don't necessarily have to cook in order to eat nutritiously. Some practical tips in terms of grocery shopping, if you don't have a fridge, just know that if you're wanting to buy fresh fruits or vegetables, anything that doesn't need to be refrigerated in the store doesn't need to be refrigerated in your home. So a good example for this would be like apples or bananas or oranges. I will say though that some fresh fruits like maybe grapes or strawberries don't necessarily need to be refrigerated in your home, but they're going to spoil a lot more quickly if they're not refrigerated. 
So that's something to keep in mind is that you could buy strawberries but plan to eat all or most of them within the first day or two because they will spoil very quickly. Same goes for vegetables. Onions and potatoes don't need to be refrigerated. A lot of times refrigerating them actually will change the texture and just make them not as good to eat from a taste and a texture perspective, not a nutritious perspective. But other things like peppers or tomatoes that you might find in the refrigerated section of the store don't actually need to be refrigerated in your home, but just know that they're going to spoil more quickly than they would if they were stored in a refrigerator. I would definitely also say don't be afraid of things like shelf-stable milk. I know that's sort of a strange concept. Uh, a lot of times in grocery stores, the section of the grocery store or the shelf or the aisle that has the cartons of like coconut milk and almond milk and soy milk, the ones that are shelf-stable and don't need to be refrigerated, they'll also have dairy milk, sometimes even in smaller packs like juice box type of packs. And those are really cool because you can let's say, only have a single serving of milk and then the rest of the milk in the cartons that are closed will stay fresh. And so I definitely wouldn't be afraid of that. I know it's a little funky, but if you're hungry, <laughs> it's a good option. And honestly, I don't want to speak to the experience of hunger, genuine hunger, because I've been privileged enough not to experience that in my life. But Honestly, when it comes to shopping and cooking and eating, it's okay to choose the weirder options if they're cheaper and they taste good to you. Now, if you're somebody who maybe does have the equipment and the money to buy groceries, or maybe you just have the equipment but you're still a little tight on money, but you're, what you're really lacking is the time to cook, I also have some tips for you. And I think my number one tip would be to remember that your food does not have to be Pinterest-worthy. Your food does not have to be pretty. As long as it tastes good to you and it's providing you with the nutrients that you need to be successful and confident and healthy, then that is good enough. I would also say that when it comes to meal prepping and ingredient prepping, recipe prepping, menu prepping, whatever you want to call it, there seems to be sort of like a stereotypical aesthetic for this where you do all your cooking on a Sunday afternoon before the work week and all your food goes into identical Tupperwares, like perfectly portioned out, and you get the little, the rice and the meat and the veggies and all of it just goes in so that you can eat the same thing all week. This isn't always a good option for every single person who wants to recipe prep or ingredient prep, and that's okay. Something I really like to do is if I am slicing an onion for a recipe and I only need maybe half of the onion, I might slice the whole onion and cook it anyway and then save half so that next time I want to make just a really quick meal, I have already cut up or even already sauteed vegetables ready to go. The same goes if you eat animal proteins like meat. You can brown a whole pound of ground beef, even if you don't need a whole pound for your recipe, and you can freeze it, or you can refrigerate it, or you can make a double batch and of chili or whatever and freeze that. And I love these options for college students because assuming that you have a fridge or a freezer that's big enough for this kind of space, it can be a really good option for those days when you just don't want to cook, you don't have time to cook, maybe you work, maybe you have classes all day, maybe you're tired. And I love the concept of ingredient prepping versus 
recipe prepping, you know, when you prep singular ingredients to be ready to go later in the week versus prepping entire recipes so that you have ready-made meals. Also, because college students have, I think, a harder time than most people listening to their hunger cues because your schedule is so wonky that you don't always get to eat lunch when your body says you're hungry. You don't always get to eat breakfast when your body says you're hungry. And so this idea of portioning out recipes three or four days ahead of when you're actually going to eat them, you don't know how hungry you're going to be then. You don't know what your body's going to need then. And often that can turn into, oh, I don't really want to eat this and you eat it anyway and you just don't feel good or I don't really want to eat this and you just leave it in your lunchbox and you go buy food in the cafeteria and then you've spent more money on food and you've essentially wasted the food that you already cooked for yourself because you didn't eat it and now it probably needs to be thrown out if it wasn't refrigerated. And that's such a struggle. For college students who are wanting to eat well on a budget, I would really encourage you to think in terms of how much does a singular meal cost in ingredients and thinking about how can I reduce the cost per meal for most of the meals or some of the meals or all of the meals that I make for myself. And I love this example of convenience foods are really, really great. You know, health in air quotes, health foods can be really great options. But in terms of thinking about what is the cost per meal for some of these? For example, you might find a convenience food that really works for you is frozen pizza, and you can get frozen pizza at your local grocery store for $3. That's awesome. But if a whole meal for you is going to be a whole pizza, and no judgment if that is true, I just would want to point out that that's a $3 meal. Versus if you ate maybe a third of the pizza for about a dollar's worth of pizza, you had a 40 cent banana, you have maybe a 50 cent protein bar and some water, that's only a $2 meal. And that $2 meal is going to be a little bit more nutrient dense because of the banana, because of the protein bar. Another good example of this would be like naked juice. We see these naked juices a lot. They're maybe like $4 a bottle and they claim to have like 18 servings of fruits and vegetables or whatever in them. If you like those, that's great. But think about if I'm going to drink one of these, it's going to be $4 and realistically, it's not really going to fill me up versus you might be able to buy maybe a $3 carton or gallon of orange juice and get multiple servings of fruit throughout the week for a few cents per serving instead of a $4 bottle of naked juice that you're going to drink one time and probably finish in one or two sittings. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I also love talking about repurposing leftovers and using takeout and sort of putting a new spin on it. And something that's really, really easy to do with this is a lot of Asian takeout that includes rice. They'll give you just a ton of rice. And rice is already a pretty inexpensive food to purchase, which is great. But when you order, let's say, takeout sweet and sour chicken, and you get a whole thing of chicken, and you get a whole thing of normal rice or fried rice or whatever, you can save that fried rice later, and you can make an entire other meal out of it by maybe adding some more protein, like scrambling an egg, adding some more veggies, things like that. And that way you get sort of more more bang for your buck, more mileage out of a single takeout meal. I will say, though, if you are low on time and you feel that you can afford the expense of ordering out, that can be a really good option for you because essentially we have this 
triangle of sorts where we do have the amount of money that you can spend on food and your access to certain ingredients. You have the amount of time you could spend cooking and you have your equipment that you can cook with. And, you know, the more you have of money, maybe the less you need to think about time or maybe the less money you have, you might need to spend a little bit more investment on resources so that you can cook more different foods. I don't know if that metaphor actually makes sense, but I hope it does. I'll leave it in the podcast anyway. I also want to say that there are a lot of college students who don't have a lot of equipment and don't have a lot of time and don't have a lot of money. And, you know, that kind of scarcity of all three of those things can be really scary and can be very anxiety-inducing and can be very stressful. And I wanted to provide just a couple of tips for that, too. But before I get into that, I think something that comes up in a lot of stereotypical college budgeting advice and college, you know, saving on groceries advice is talking about skipping Starbucks or the metaphorical, you know, don't get coffee, don't buy yourself coffee, save that money. And I don't necessarily think that this is a good piece of blanket advice for every college student because some college students love their coffee, they go to Starbucks every day, they get a drink, and that is their thing. And if that's your thing and you feel that you can afford to do that every day and you're aware of how much money you're spending on that and you're okay with that amount, I would say go for it. Go you. You do you, do you really, in thinking about, you know, is this nourishing my body in ways that make sense? You know, do I feel good after I drink it? Do I like it? All of that. Now, some college students might only get coffee once a week. Maybe it's their Friday treat or their Tuesday night study drink or whatever. And some people like me, honestly, I probably go to Caribou once a month, maybe. And for us, once a week and once a month people, I think the stop getting coffee advice is really not that great because how much realistically am I going to save on groceries if I skip my once a month $4 cup of coffee. Now, if you're a once a week coffee drinker and you decide, okay, I'm going to stop, you might save $20. If those are $20 that you need to spend elsewhere, that might be a good option for you. But if you feel you can afford the $20 a month on coffee once a week, then again, you do you. You do what feels right for you. You do what you enjoy. Something that I think comes into play a lot that a lot of students who are struggling to feed themselves have already figured out, but not every student has figured this out, so this is why I want to say it. College events that serve free food are an amazing thing. And I don't just mean showing up to these events and eating the food that's there, but depending on the event, depending on who it's hosted by, depending on the food, you might be able to, if you stay to the end of the event, take food home with you. You know, you might be able to take home a few slices of pizza in a box or a couple of sandwiches or things like that. And obviously this isn't going to be true for every event, but in thinking ahead and thinking, oh, I'm going to go to this event and they're going to be serving sandwiches. Maybe I will bring my lunchbox with me or a Tupperware with me in case there's a few left over that I'm able to take home. And this is an awesome thing. And especially if you're going to events that are hosted by like your campus's campus ministry or their spirituality center or even student parent events or things like, 
events for multicultural and international students, students of color. A lot of these events are already kind of going to be more open to this idea of, hey, we have extra food, let's send it home with people. But this isn't always going to be the case, unfortunately, because I think a lot of college campuses still haven't quite realized that a lot of their students are hungry. A lot of my tips that I've given and that I can continue to give and that I've talked about in previous episodes and all of that, yes, I've given lots of advice on, you know, what do you do when you don't have a lot of money to spend on groceries? How do you cook when you don't have time? Things like that. And I think my final advice has a lot more to do with turning inward and giving yourself permission to be okay with the fact that you might be eating more convenience foods than you would prefer. You know, it's okay that your meals, like I said, don't look Pinterest perfect. It's okay that the way that you meal prep, maybe you meal prep at 10 a.m. on Tuesdays because that's how you have time. That's when you have time. Like, the way that you cook and prepare food and feed yourself, the way you shop, where you shop, what you buy, isn't really anyone's business but your own. And I want to give you permission to be okay with the fact that your food and eating experience in college might look different than your roommates or might look different than your classmates or might look different than your friends. And there is no shame in that. And I really want you to have confidence in your ability to feed yourself in the best way that you can in the current moment. And your best in any current moment might be radically different from your best next week or last week. And that's okay too. I also want to say that if you're really struggling with food insecurity, it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to access resources like a campus food pantry, a community food shelf, SNAP, These things are meant to help people and they're out there for you because I think something in a lot of college students is we're not only ashamed to ask for help, and I don't want to speak for the whole experience because I've never experienced food insecurity, but I've worked with so many students who have and I think a lot of students in many areas of life experience a lot of shame in asking for help no matter where that area is that they might need help. But there isn't anything wrong with going to the campus food shelf. There isn't anything wrong with seeing if you qualify for SNAP benefits, which a lot of students do. And if you're not sure where to go on your campus to access some of these resources, if you're not sure if there's anything else your campus can do for you, if you're really struggling financially, some campuses have emergency loan or emergency grant programs for students, which are so incredible great resources for you that either are the places you need to be or can connect you to these places are going to be residence life if you're a resident student or even if you're not any office on campus for multicultural or international students your disability resources office is going to be a good one even if you don't have a disability a student parent office basically any office that's already set up to help a particular group of students will also know where you might be able to go, even if you don't fit into that specific demographic of students. I have referred so many students to just shoot an email off to Residence Life if they have a question about something campus related, even if they're not a resident student. Campus ministry, your counseling center, your your student clinic or campus clinic, all of these places are meant for students to come and receive help and receive guidance. These places are for you. Take ownership of that. 
be confident in taking ownership of that. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Before I let you go, I want to give you, as per usual, my food, my follow, and my fun for this week. My food this week, I just had a really, really awesome breakfast this morning. I had sourdough toast with butter. I had a fried egg with some everything but the bagel seasoning on top, and I made myself just a quick fruit smoothie with some cranberry juice and some frozen berries. Oh, it was so good. It was just so simple and refreshing, and it was kind of weird to drink a smoothie in January, but super good. Would recommend upping your breakfast game this week. <laughs> My follow this week is food related as well. I've been really loving the videos that Food52 has been putting out. I really love Rick Martinez and Sola and they're just so much fun to watch. They're so much fun to just feel like I'm cooking in their kitchen with them. Would definitely recommend going to check them out. My fun this week is I have been working on upcycling some recent thrifted finds. I actually managed to turn a tank top into a bodysuit, which I'm pretty proud of. Um, it's not super aesthetically pleasing, but for first try, it fits the way it's supposed to, and there's no seams or hems that are too wonky, so very proud of that. Would recommend that you find something creative to do this week, try something new, dive in, just, you know, do... What is the saying? Magic school bus. You know, make mistakes, get messy, whatever Miss Frizzle says. <laughs> Would definitely recommend trying out that this week. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Feed That Nation. If you're watching me on YouTube, go ahead and leave me a comment below. What is your favorite tip for cooking and eating as a college student on a budget? Definitely also throw this video a thumbs up. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. Share it with your roommates. All of that. Get the word out. Get me to your people. I upload podcasts every Wednesday and I upload vlogs every Saturday. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram. I am at FeedThatNation and go check out my blog, FeedThatNation.com. Also, don't forget to go check out my affiliate partner, Coconut Whisk. Coconut Whisk is a vegan, gluten-free, allergy-friendly baking mix company, and they are Minnesota local, which I love, and you guys know I love their products. I talk about them all the time. I am so excited to try their confetti mug cake. That is the next item on my list. And I just very recently tried their vegan chocolate chip cookie mix. And oh my gosh, so good, so simple. Like seriously, <laughs> I love this brand. So definitely, if you want to try them out, I know you'll love them too. Use my coupon code FeedThatNation at checkout and you'll receive 15% off your order. I receive a small commission. Everybody wins in this scenario. Go check out Coconut Whisk. Until next time, my name is Natalie Nation, you've been listening to Feed That Nation, and I'll see you soon.